We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. All right, guys, I am very excited to bring on our next guest, Mr. Chad Jennings. I know most of you guys know him um, from his days with New York. He is now covering the Boston Red Sox with The Athletic. You can find Chad on Twitter. He's at Chad Jennings 22 Chad, thanks again for coming on and joining us this year. Sure thing. My pleasure. So obviously the Yankees are, are not uh, you know, in the same place as the Red Sox, considering they're coming off a World Series title. We're all a little salty. Uh, on this side, and that's not there. Like you guys, no, no, we don't get salty, right? New Yorkers salty. <laughs> that's strange. Um, <laughs> but there's, you know, I think there's a very interesting, you know, there's some interesting storylines that are happening, or even, you know, really lack of storylines that are happening with the Red Sox in the sense that they've they've almost stayed pat in a lot of ways. Um, can you just, you know, general feeling in camp today with with how the team feels, and then also the what's the vibe up in in Boston, knowing that, um, 
you know, the team is coming off the World Series, obviously, but there are some some pretty interesting, you know, areas of need that were not addressed. So I'm curious as to how 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 the team is feeling and how the fans are feeling. Yeah, I think the team feels basically the same as it did last year. You know, with I mean, with good reason. It's basically the same group. Um, one thing I think it does seem unusual for a team in this position to not go out and make any sort of big move. I mean, Evaldi was a massive commitment, but that's bringing a guy back. It just doesn't. It they expect the team that's trying to repeat to go out and, and make some sort of splash. But the reality is that with this roster, you know, they're not a team that had a lot of guys in their mid to late thirties that they need to upgrade or, or replace. It's, you know, it's, it's a team built around bets and Martinez and, you know, sales 29 Porcello's 29, I believe maybe that's 30 now, but you know, it's guys who are still sort of in that window where you, it's reasonable to think they're going to be just as good as they were last year, along with guys like Devers and Benatendi, and even Jackie Bradley, who you, who you think you could get a little bit more of. Um, so I think that's a lot of why you saw this team stay pat and, and not go out and make some sort of splash. Is they just they are returning a team. I think it's reasonable to think they can perform just as well as they did last season. Now the feeling in Boston centers a lot on second base and, and the bullpen, uh, which are easily the two positions of uh, the greatest uncertainty. You know, Dustin Pedroia, he, he's not going to break camp with the team, but he should be with them soon, you know, shortly after the start of the season. But who knows what to expect from him? You know, not only is he in his mid-30s, but also coming off of, a, you know, a lost year and a knee surgery. It's, you know, it's a pretty questionable thing. Now they've got Brock Holt and, and Eduardo Nunez, as, as alternatives at second, and as far as utility guys go, that's pretty good. Um, but it's a, you know it's certainly a position of some uncertainty. The bullpen though is the big one. Um, you know if they're kind of going the opposite way of what the Yankees have done. You know the Yankees sort of have really built that super bullpen that we saw Cashman start. Gosh, when I was still covering the team, you know when he first got Chapman and that whole group, and and when Andrew Miller was there, you know he just built this mammoth group of guys in the back of the pen and they continue to do that the Red Sox I mean, <laughs> the biggest losses they have is Craig Kimbrell and Joe Kelly um, and they're going to try to make up the difference with you know potentially even going without a set closer you know not exactly closer by committee but something close to it you know Matt Barnes maybe Ryan Brazier maybe Heath Timbery kind of mix and match in the 7th 8th and ninth, and, and see if it works but it wouldn't surprise me if at some point here this year you see the Red Sox end up making a trade trying to get just another proven arm that can help them. Is there a reason why they were so quiet in free agency? I know you just said that the, the team feels good about where they are. They feel like, you know, it's a lot of the same guys. Um, but, I mean, do they not get the – I guess they don't, but do they not get the sensation or the feeling that everything went well and went right for them last year? Because – when you look at what happened and how they played during the regular season and then throughout the playoffs, it does seem like, you know, the stars were aligned, the Red Sox were supposed to win the World Series, and then everything just kind of executed like it was supposed to. No, I, I actually don't think they think that. Um, I see what you mean. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I don't believe that they see it that way. Um, you know, I think they think that Benatendi can be better. I think they think Devers can be better. Uh, I think they can. They believe they can get more consistent production out of second base. I think they think they can get more out of the catcher position, um, and I think they believe that they will get the same 
level of production out of Mookie, out of JD, out of Xander Bogarts. Um, maybe that's overly optimistic to think that, but I do think that's the way they feel, especially offensively. And I, and similar with their rotation, you know, I think they really believe that with those top five guys, that they have potentially the best rotation in baseball. Again, not necessarily saying that I, I believe they are the best rotation in baseball, but I think that you can see where they have a reasonable case to think that, that they at least have a rotation that can contend with anybody. The bullpen, you know, they're taking a risk there. But, uh, but I do think that they, they believe they can be even better with the guys they have. And in terms of why they stay out of free agency as much, and a lot of this also is just that they're already the highest spending team in baseball. Last year, they went over the highest luxury tax threshold, played a ton of money in that, and they basically decided they had the money to spend on one big guy, and they spent it on Nathan Abaldi rather than Craig Kimbrell. I mean, that, that's almost a sense of, that's almost exactly what it came down to. You know, they've got they've got money to make one big splash. They're not going to play on Machado and Harper, and so they went for Abaldi instead. And uh, I think that was more sort of where they set priorities with an acknowledgement. Going forward, you know, JD's probably going to opt out after this season. Bogarts is a free agent after this season. Sale is a free agent after this season. Porcello, Mookie, and Jackie are free agents after next season. They know going forward the only way to do anything more is to have some flexibility where they can sign some of these guys as well. Now, one of the things that we talked about last year, I remember, was the you know the fact that Dombrowski put this team together as win now. This was a, this was definitely a win now, very top heavy team. The talent mm-hmm. was all in the major leagues, so you know, gotta. I have to assume that you know that was one of the big reasons why they didn't, uh, you know, really look on the trade market. They weren't very active on a, on the trade market as well, just because of. I, I got to assume that if there are pieces in the low system, you know, uh, young young guys, they want to hold on to them with you know, the, the eventual contracts that need to be paid, like you just said, uh, coming up next year or the year after that. So does does that also play into, um, you know, their why they were so quiet, I guess, in the offseason? And then quickly, uh, kind of like a second piece of that, you mentioned the payroll situation where they were, obviously they were the highest uh, last year, went over. Are they still in a, in a very similar tax situation or is that any yeah. different? Would, would any more money add to, to where they are? Yeah, they're they're already they're they're right now below that top threshold, but right. they're but not by much. So if they get anybody making anything real, I mean a few million dollars, they're going back over that threshold. So you know financially they're pretty close to where they were last year. They do I think have more trade capital now than they had a year ago. You know they obviously they burned through most of their trade capital in the last whatever it was four years, trading for Kimbrel trade for sale, trade for, you know, we forget it now, but I mean, shoot, they traded for Tyler Thornburg. They traded for Carson Smith. I mean, right. they've given up a lot of, a lot of their prospects, but now they're starting to get some guys in the upper level. And, you know, it's, as you know, and, and everyone has seen it, it's sometimes hard to make a big trade move on low level minor leaguers. The Yankees actually have pulled it off a few times, you know, that mm-hmm. the Stanton trade, um, mm-hmm. but most teams don't go for them. I mean, they want the, the guy who's kind of on the verge. And now the Red Sox are starting to get there. They're getting a little bit closer. They have Bobby Dahlbeck and Michael Chavis, both sort of in the upper levels, both third basemen. It would not surprise me to see if we get into the season, if they wait and say, okay, where do we need help? You know, you get into May, 
and it turns out this bullpen thing's not working. Or you get into June and an outfielder's hurt or whatever. If then is when you see them make a move to shift one of those guys to fill a hole rather than being proactive in the winter and assuming a problem, you know, assuming that you need bullpen, assuming that you need depth somewhere else. I, I, if they're just going to wait and use that trade capital if they need it to, to when they have a better idea of what exactly they need to spend it on. Right. I mean, even then they're going to have to be careful on what they acquire if they're, if this luxury tax is such a, you know, big piece of what they're doing as well, because I mean, if they're, if they're right up against that, um, that, that bracket as well, you know, making a move in the middle of the season could affect that. And then obviously make whatever acquisition of a player significantly more expensive because of the, the, um, the tax penalty. Oh yeah, there's no question. I mean, that, and that's a big, uh, I think that's a big thing for them. I mean, there, I don't think the Red Sox can, fans can uh, can complain about ownership. I mean, John Henry spent no, no, a ton cannot. of money. <laughs> they they put a lot of money toward a lot of things. I mean, not just payroll, but I mean, you know, things in the community, things the stadium, all that stuff. Um, and you know, the willingness last year to spend the way it did, even over the, th- the 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 threshold, is I mean, that's impressive and, and to be commended. But now going forward, it's like, I mean, how often can you do that? Even John Henry has said as much publicly, like, yeah, we did it last year because we knew how close we were, but that's not something that I don't think any ownership group would be willing to do year after year after year. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And, and then you see kind of where, too, where, uh, where, where is their, their appetite for it as we get into the season? If, you know, this is the kind of division race that I think we're all expecting does John Henry and Tom Warner and that group, do they get where, all right, fine. <laughs> we'll let's spend a little bit more and try to win this thing again. Um, I think that's possible too, but I just think they're maybe not going to start there. You know, they're starting certainly from a place of, uh, of a little bit more restraint. And then let's see if there's something about the season that forces them to change their mind. Yeah, it's interesting because the Yankees are, you know, a couple million bucks from the next bracket as well. And, you know, even with the, the, the recent signing of Gio Gonzalez, if he actually does make the, the major league club, I mean, they're right there. So I think, you know, both both teams are actually in a, an interesting situation when it does come to adding pieces at the deadline or whenever, if they're going to make that decision to, you know, move forward and not, not worry about the tax implications and just do what they need to do for that particular, uh, for this particular season and, and make it better. Um you know, I've always looked at it is that if these guys are to make a move and add a piece that will help them this season, it's probably more enticing for them to get a guy that might be under contract for a couple of years where they can justify some of that money that's not just going for one season or maybe to a guy that, you know, will be around for a little while. Yeah, but I wonder if, you, if the Red Sox right now are in the opposite boat. Right. You know, if your biggest concern is, in, you know, Mookie Betts is about to become a free agent. And, and I mean, he's a, just an elite player. If at some point you're thinking, look, we, we've got to figure out some way to keep him, you know, if Xander Bogarts isn't playing shortstop here next year, who is? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, so I think the Red Sox are in the opposite position where the last thing they want to do is add very much long term commitment. I mean, they've got, they want their long term commitments to be guys that are currently on the roster. It's just a matter of keeping the financial flexibility to make those deals happen. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, talking about the bullpen, obviously that was uh, one of the issues that you you called out. It's I think everybody realizes when they look at this team, the bullpen is significantly the one weakness of this. Uh, maybe you know really the one of the only weaknesses, uh, even at second base. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, they have a couple guys that can fill in there. Um, 
Is there somebody that we don't know about that is in the minor leagues or coming up or having a good camp that could be a breakout in that pen? Yeah, I think the name that you guys should know is Darwinson Hernandez. He's a mm-hmm. uh, big lefty out of Venezuela. Uh, like coming into camp, it looked like he was going to open in Double A. Now they're starting to talk Double A rotation. Now they're starting to talk about maybe letting him break camp in the big league bullpen, if only for a short term. You know, they're, they're going to start the year with Pedroia on the disabled list and or injured list. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, don't don't let that happen again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and use that that roster spot for an extra pitcher. And there's a chance that's going to be this kid. Darwinson Hernandez. Um, I think he's a guy who, even if they only use him for like a first week and a half and then send him down to kind of get back into the player development path, I, I think he's a guy who could be a, a bullpen difference maker going forward. You know, they have a kid, Travis Lakins, who's pretty good, but, you know, they they have a handful of other arms, uh, you know, coming up that are down in AAA that, that maybe can make a difference. But I think if you're looking for that, like, big, you know, potential impact guy who you maybe haven't heard of. It's probably him. Um, and then it's, you know, then it's wild card guys like Tyler Thornburg. You know, uh, his philosophy has been pretty good this spring, but everything else is inconsistent. You know, he's another thoracic outlet guy who, uh, you know, who knows if he can get back to what he was in Milwaukee, but he has so far made no impact with the Red Sox. Um, you know, he's kind of a wild card guy. I mean, I can't even guarantee he'll make the team much less guarantee that he's going to be an impact guy in the bullpen, but we've seen him do it before. Um, so I think you have a lot of guys kind of like that where you're going, I, I don't really know what this is. Um, could be good, but, uh, but I just don't think you know. Um, Ryan Brazier was a guy that stepped up. I mean, they all stepped up, but he was uh, yeah. one I think that people were surprised because, you know, they didn't – a lot of a lot of uh, you know casual baseball fans and, and even some that are a little bit more uh, intently watching didn't really know the the guy as well. Um, but he was he was a closer right in in uh, uh, with Pawtucket. So this guy's got some experience uh, in the back of the bullpen. Is that I know you mentioned that they may not have a designated closer, maybe you know kind of a committee. But is he one of the first guys that they're probably going to give a shot for that role? Yeah, I, I think right now the smart money is on Frazier and Matt Barnes being sort of the eighth inning and ninth inning guys, but without an assigned inning to the two. I think what the, it seems to me like what they're, they've talked about and talking to different people with the team, that what they might end up doing is Barnes is basically the main guy, Brazier being the number two. And so if you get into a situation where, say in the eighth inning, it's three, four, five coming up, then Barnes will pitch the eighth and you get Brazier the ninth. If in the eighth inning, it's, Six, seven, eight coming up, then Brazier will pitch the eighth, and then you hold Barnes for the ninth. I, I think they're going to try to do something like that going forward. But I, yeah, I think Brazier's a part of that, and, and which is insane. I mean, he wasn't even in big league camp at this time last year. Right. He pitched in Japan in, in 17. I mean, you know, this guy has really shown up, and uh, and not only did he last year, you know, earn, a, earn his keep and, and stick with the team, it came up in June, I think. You know, stuck around, had a spot on the postseason roster, but now he's—they're I mean, really counting on him to be a, uh, not just a guy who helps out in the ten, but like he could be a really key guy for them. I got to tell you, I'm fully expecting him to be the closer because the Red Sox have an absolute history of annoying mannerisms with their closers, 
and <laughs> he's one of, he's the next guy in line with his little head tilt that drives everybody yeah. insane. So uh, it's it's you know kind of the perfect spot for him to be. I feel like it's uh, it's just meant to be and just drive us nuts. <laughs> That's what well, I'm expecting. And he, can, and he can yell at Gary. They get the F in the box. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, let's let's just continue this tradition so that we have uh, yeah. you know enough of our fueled hatred for right, um, sure, for sure. for reasons that are absolutely you know valid. <laughs> yeah. I like um, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, okay. So some other some other key players uh, want to kind of check some boxes here. Chris Sale, a guy. Um, you know, is there any more information on him uh, about a contract extension? I mean, I could ask that question about everybody I'm about to talk about. You've already kind of mentioned that they're they're up coming up, <laughs> but yeah. but Sale's interesting in the sense that you know there was some breakdown. Uh, you know, he's 29 years old, as you mentioned. You know, when you say that, it doesn't compute in my head. I, it feels like he's older. Um, he's got, you know, some, some, uh, some miles for sure on that arm. Are they, are they thinking that last year was more of a maintenance, you know, the way that they kind of shut him down and brought him back and, or are they concerned about him breaking down as, uh, as the season, you know, goes on? I think both. Um, I think they do think that it was some sort of like maintenance stuff that they, you know, it, it was a shoulder deal and, you know, they needed to get it taken care of. And, and obviously he pitched pretty well in the postseason. Um, but I also think there's concern in the sense that there's concern right now, you know, throughout baseball with pitchers. I mean, they just, if you look at that contract Patrick Corbin got six years, mm-hmm. I mean, Corbin and Sale are the same age. And yeah, that's Sale crazy. obviously has had a, a much better career. But how comfortable would you be given Chris Sale six years right now, even though it's Chris right. Sale? You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's weird. I mean, baseball's in this really strange spot especially with pitching, um, you know, as much as we talk a lot about, you know, players being concerned about the amount of money they're getting, the really elite players, position players, are, are still getting record contracts. I mean, we've seen right. it. We just bought with Trout. We've seen it with Machado, with Harper. The top guys are, are still getting paid. Mookie Betts is going to get paid. Aaron Jones, Aaron Judge is going to get paid. It, 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 that's fine. But, this, but, you know, they're starting to get cautious with these, with pitchers. So, I had somebody ask me that actually just today in a chat thing, and it was like, how much and for how long do you think sale? And I, I, I have no idea. I just It's so hard right now with the way the game has changed in just the last few years to, to figure out where we are on valuing pitching. Because, um, again, I mean, sales is the same age as Patrick Corbin. He's clearly had a much better career, but I'm not sure – how many teams would be comfortable giving him the same length of contract that Corbin got? And, and none of that makes sense, <laughs> you know? Right. But, but I think that's where we are. And, you know, and it's interesting because when you look at, you know, some, some re- relatively recent winners of the World Series, uh, Houston Astros, what the Red Sox did, even what, you know, Milwaukee was doing, you know, into, uh, late into the season, you're seeing a lot more of, you know, the, the, it's not as – the starters aren't going as deep, but you're also seeing some of these starters turn into relievers in the in the postseason, and mm-hmm. and have great success. So it's almost diminishing the effect of a of a starter that can go you know insanely deep in a game. I mean, he's the most valuable because they don't exist. They're a unicorn almost to to the the most of the majority of baseball. Um, right. And when you have an inj- injury history like Sale, it's you know you're paying him to be a what a sixth inning a sixth inning guy a five six inning guy. Um, yeah, and and you know that's what he was towards the end towards the end of the season. 
Yeah, it's a yeah. They're in a weird place. I do think that, like you said, the baseball seems to be devaluing starting pitchers, but at the same time, it's so rare now to find a guy who can go two hundred innings that that guy's even more valuable. But just where do you right. find him, and where do you stretch out a guy to do it? What the games really no longer has is like that true innings eater guy. You know, it used to be sort of fill out the rotation with a guy who's going to just like, oh, uh, every time he gives you seven solid innings, like. We have no time for guys to give seven solid innings. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, give me five good over seven solid, you know, yeah. every time. And um, so that's where I think that you're trying to now find a balance. And, and this rotation is interesting in that sense. I mean, Fayol Price, Porcello in particular, you know, even though they're not always going to be the guy who does it, as you said, they had to hold back with Sale last year. And, and obviously with Price had some injury concerns. But those are three guys who I think still treat it. The old school way, you know, those guys certainly go out expecting to throw 120 pitches. They expect to start to pitch 120 or 200 innings this year. I don't know whether the Red Sox will let them, but I think they have that mentality to them. It's just kind of finding that balance between that sort of desire and and, and talent and ability to go out and, and, and provide that kind of workload with the uh, the team's responsibility to make sure that doing so doesn't blow out their arm and, and cost them the second half of the year. All right, so we saw today, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, we saw Trout sign this insanely massive contract. Um, obviously, Mookie Betts is coming up. Uh, you know, Are they going to let him get to free agency, or have they started talking with his people? What's the, what's the conversations about the, the, the Red Sox and Mookie Betts as far as going long-term with the contract? Well, I wonder. I'm wondering how much today changes it. Um, oh yeah, me too. So I, I, I just because I think once Trout signs, I think that you, if you're Mookie, you've got to be at least a little more open to it, right? To these kind, and, and you now have a feeling. One thing in in looking this stuff up today, I think on Baseball Reference, Trout is at 64 something wins above replacement. Mm-hmm. Mookie's a year younger. He's at 34. Wow. I mean, they're not even close, man. Like, that, that's insane. So as much as you go, oh, well, Trout signed this, so now we know sort of the, the cap that that should be looking at. No, that isn't even close to that. <laughs> and, he's, and he's probably the second best all-around player in the game. Uh, like, it, it, Trout is just so otherworldly, it, it, it's, it makes no sense. But, but it does set a ceiling. And at least now if you can go, okay, he needs to be somewhere between 4.30 for Trout and 3.30 for Harper. Mookie fits somewhere in that, you know, $100 million gap in between. <laughs> that's a nice and place to live. I got to tell you, that's a nice right, place right, to right. live. Yeah, yeah it's, it, everybody here is going to be just fine. <laughs> but, uh, but I think at least it gives you a starting point and, and it, it sets a little bit clearer parameters um, as you go into these conversations. And, and like I say, when the best player in baseball – the best player of a generation signs an extension. I think it surely makes everyone else in the game a little bit more open to doing the same. Yeah, and you know, I mean, does does Mookie talk does, does Mookie talk about this? Have the Red Sox talked about it? Is this something yeah. they're they're willing to do in season, or they're you know, this mm-hmm. is one of those situations where hey, I'm not talking about this during the season. You know, we'll deal with it, or my people will deal with it afterwards. I'm just focused on baseball. You know, the the very yeah. cliche standard answer. Sure. And, and yeah, I mean, everyone in this situation is giving pretty cliche answers. The, the one right. thing that's interesting is 
Mookie has, I think twice this year when he's been asked to talk about it, has brought up the idea of, you know, I've got to do something for the next guy. You know, the union is, is pretty strong, not only in what they've done, but also just in the message that they've gotten across to the members that, you know, what you do affects the next guy. And sure. Mookie has made clear in his conversations about this publicly anyway, that he believes in that very much. That it, this isn't only, you know, about Mookie Betts signing what's best for him. I think he feels he owes it to the game to raise the bar again. Maybe not raise it above Trout, but certainly to raise his job almost is to now get the next step above Harper, Machado, Arenado. You know, he feels a need to go beyond that because that's what he's supposed to do. Um, so I think there's some of that that maybe complicates things a little bit, but also that is <laughs> it maybe also just goes without saying. You know, if you accept that Mookie Betts is the second best player in the game, well then, you accept pay him, that pay him he's, supposed to, he's supposed to get paid beyond what these guys who just signed this one did. So it's, I think all of these things get a little bit complicated, you know, when you're getting into these, you know, unprecedented levels of, of commitment. But that's where we are, and, and that's where the game's heading. So I think that the conversations will be difficult, but I think that they'll happen. Um, and as long as the Red Sox are willing to spend money, which they clearly are, I think in the end a deal will happen. Um, but you know they also they have two years to do this. I mean they have two years of control with Mookie, mm-hmm. so there is no immediate urgency to do it right now. Jackie Bradley Jr., another one of the the, the guys in Boston where everything went right, especially towards the end of the season. I, I don't know who's who anymore. Is is Jackie Bradley Jr. Aaron Hicks? Is Aaron Hicks Jackie Bradley Jr.? It's you know we've gone back and forth like five times. I feel like now you know Hicks obviously signed that contract extension. So uh, mm-hmm. and Bradley won a, a ring. So you know maybe they're even at this point. But there's right. a. Uh, stories out there that we saw that uh, he's working with J.D. Martinez, hitting coach, and is trying to revamp the swing. So what does Jad- Jackie Bradley Jr. look like? Who is he? And is he the, the guy that we saw hitting all these home runs, or is he back to one of the worst places, players in baseball? I don't know. Yeah, the thing with Jackie is he, I don't think he's ever going to be one of the worst players in baseball. He'll, right. He can be one of the worst hitters in baseball. Okay, yes. I, uh, offensively is, is a, what I'm speaking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But he, he's, almost, he's a more extreme version, offensively, he's a more extreme version of, of Gardner. I mean, right. Gardner was always streaky. Um, you know, he'd have, you know, months where he was, he'd literally have like a full month where he's just one of the best <laughs> top-of-the-order guys in baseball, and then he'd have a month where he hits 120. Um, Jackie does a lot of that. This winter, I think, or this winter, I'm sorry, this spring, what we've seen from him is a lot more, I think he's hitting the ball hard. There's a decent amount of swing and miss, but He's making hard contact, and that all seems to be building on the, the changes that he made in the second half of last year. So it was mid-season that he mm-hmm. up and started working with JD's guys, um, and and that he mid-season went through that level of an overhaul and had it pay off right away. I mean, it seems pretty telling, you know that 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 should be pretty promising. Uh, for the Red Sox, that this guy was able to make that adjustment and get results for it right away. Now, we've also never really seen a consistent Jackie Bradley at the plate. So, you know, was that just a good streak for Jackie? And, and it really isn't about all these big tweaks that he made, or is has something fundamentally changed? I, I think spring training is a hard place to figure that out, but, uh, yeah. but certainly that's the hope. And look, if he can hit, you know, with any consistency, it, it is like Aaron Hicks. I mean, 
picks went from, I mean, gosh, they traded J.R. Murphy to get, you know. Right. Watch it. <laughs> I mean, His name is J- not, not, John Ryan. John Ryan. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I was still there when he became John Ryan. <laughs> we have, we have but, so uh, many guys <laughs> changing their names, whether it's Zach Britton <laughs> changing a letter or, yeah. you know, Jay Happ actually not being named Jay, but his uh, – you know, it's J and A, but now he's just J with one word. It's very confusing. I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, yeah. Go look up his name. Check it. Like, look huh. how it's printed and and like what his actual uh, name is. It's 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 very confusing and, and why he's <laughs> called J at this point. <laughs> but anyway, it, but I, I just think that Hicks is a nice comparison because he is a guy who went from sort of a promising good player. You know, he's ever going to figure it out, and so then he figured it out for two years and, and was rewarded handsomely for it. If, yeah. if Jackie can do the same, and again, he's just like Mookie. He's got two more years of team control. If he can, in this next year or two, do what Hicks did the last two years, all of a sudden he becomes one of the, one of the top outfielders in the game. All right, one more guy before we get to a little, little bit of a prediction time, something we're doing this year. Um, with everybody who's covering uh, one of the teams in the AL East, David Price. This is a guy that you know obviously got the monkey off of his back. Unfortunately for us, we were really hoping it was going to be a horrible contract for a very long time. But he seemingly got it off. They won the title. It, it, is he just is he acting like you know that that he's invincible at this point and like that's all it's all gone. Like he doesn't have to worry about that stuff. Is Boston treating him with you know some with a new respect, newfound respect? And how is how is that moving forward? How is David Price moving through the spring training and into the season? Yeah, I think a lot of that has is a little bit packed in. I mean, you know, David has sort of an outgoing personality that can easily rub someone the wrong way. Yep. Um, some of that's just his personality. Some of it is circumstance of, you know, the, the nature of this market, you know, especially with the, the you know, the sports radio in town can be, you know, uh, confrontational and, and controversial. And then, and sometimes I think David maybe hears that and buys into it a little bit, but mm-hmm. for the most part though, I don't, I haven't had a problem with David and, and he seems to be, you know, uh, embracing sort of his newfound uh i don't know if he'd say like new like ability <laughs> from the fan base but yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's certainly there's some more of that there yeah and, and i think he likes that i mean I, you know i think david wants to be liked and and is, is happy that the fan base has embraced him a little bit more um but but he also knows without question that it's all just performance i mean as much as we talk about, like you know, the conversation with Eckersley and the reporter in the in the uh, clubhouse in New York, I mean, it, if if he pitches well, people will like him. <laughs> I mean, that's right. that's how it is in New York. That's how it is here. It's play well, and none of the other stuff really becomes much of an issue. Um, and he pitched really well last year. He was terrific in the playoffs. And what do you know? You know, he pitches really well in the playoffs. He's like, I hold the cards now. Well. You always did, man. Like, <laughs> right, right. As soon as you pitch well, this is always going to go really well for you. Um, so, yeah, I, I, but, yeah, I think he's embraced that. I think he likes it. He's, he's been easy to deal with. I think he just kind of approaches this, you know, the way he needs to. They, they're, they are naturally restrictive to their pitchers down here in spring training. They hold back. They don't let them throw in games very much. He embraces that and realizes that it's all about sort of something long-term. And uh, as long as he can stay healthy, you know, I, yeah, he can still be one of the better pitchers in the game. 
All right, so here's the here's the time where we uh, we get some predictions out of you. I want to you know let, let me let us know what you think uh, the standings are like at the end of the season. Zero games left. We're into the playoffs. Uh, what are we looking at? AL East, well, just just yeah. AL East. Yeah, I, I think that it's. And remember, well, don't, I mean, Red Sox fans don't listen to the show, so it's fine. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, five, four, three is irrelevant, right? I mean, you know, maybe the Rays are again like kind of a good team, but that's not what anybody's interested in. I, yeah, I. They're so I mean, they, they were a, they were a pretty to, significant impact last year with the you know with yeah. winning ninety games. They were oh, thorn oh, in the Yankees side sure, and sure, but yeah. I just mean in terms of the, the standings. I don't think anyone would would even remotely consider putting them ahead of the no, Yankees no, 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 no. Red Sox right now. So they're obviously the number three team. You know, I would guess Toronto four, Baltimore five. The other, I, the problem is with the Red Sox. It's can their bullpen keep from imploding? With the Yankees, I think it's the rotation, right? Is, is that yep. where the biggest concern is? That that you know, especially with the Severino thing going on, yeah. It's sort of which team where they have some risk and where they, you know, maybe again, I mean, the Red Sox or Yankees going out and getting Joe Gonzalez, I think, helps address that. But you know, which team can withstand that um, and stay healthy and keep performing? Ah, <sighs> I. I guess I would pick the Yankees right now. I okay. think. But and, again, and you it, think... it's, so, it's so back and forth just because I think it's, I'm basing that largely on that I do think that the bullpen is a big risk that the Red Sox have taken on here. Um, not only to not have a closer, but, you know, it's not even like they, you know, they don't have Dellen or Chad Green. You know, it's not like they even have right. like a third or fourth guy who's kind of sitting there waiting in the wings. I think Matt Barnes is a really good pitcher, but I, I don't put him at that level. Um, so I just think that's maybe a bigger risk going forward than what the Yankees have done. That said, a bullpen is a hell of a lot easier to fix than a rotation. Sure. Um, so if it does go really wrong one way or the other, I think the Yankees have a better chance of just taking on water and not being able to get past it than the Red Sox do. If the Red Sox get into May and the bullpen is a disaster, they have the pieces to make a move and fix it. It's just, are they going to be willing to do it? Well, are they going to be willing to do it? And, and does one or two moves actually make you know that much of a significant impact right. with that yeah. pen, you know, to to make a yeah. difference? I mean, I think you're, I think you're right. I think the. You know, the addition of Gio Gonzalez, whether he's on the team or not, April 20th, it gives them, you know, an insurance blanket right now. So if, if mm-hmm. they're not seeing a, a guy like, um, if CC's not coming back like they think, you know, Gio can come in and absolutely, you know, probably do very similar things. If, you know, if if not, I I, I bet a lot of fans would think that he would be a, a better option um, at some point in the mm-hmm. season. But Severino's a big key. So, uh, yeah. Well, it'll, yeah. Be inter- it'll be interesting. Huge. I mean, they, you know, Tanaka is still good, but you need Severino is what gives them like that potential just knockout guy at the top. Um, and, you know, in theory, the, the Yankees or the Red Sox have that. Um, so I think you, that's, that's to me, that's where the concern lies. And I, and I do think that that's a lot, it's a little bit harder to fix a rotation midstream. You know, you can, you can stumble upon a Ryan Brazier, you know, right. they, as um, they did. Yeah. So, 
but yeah, I guess right now, if I have to pick one, I guess I would go Yankees. Um, but man, it's a tough call and it's not at all hard to see either one of them working out. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you won't be shocked if one or the other is the better team because it's just, it's very easy to see how it could play out where either team ends up winning the division. Yeah, no, the talent the talent is very close, and I think the talent was very close last year. I think you know there were some mm-hmm. some things that didn't go the Yankees' way, and, and some things that did go the Red Sox' way, and I you know at some point mm-hmm. that was the difference, and they just couldn't make up for it. And I think with this, the other thing about this, like that's interesting with the Red Sox too, the the addition of that second wild card, and just you know almost assuming that you know one of the wild cards is going to come out of the AL East, it's it's almost like the Red Sox are like, okay, you know what, our bullpen's not very good. But guess what? All we have to do is get to the playoffs, and then we can just turn some of our starters into the bullpen like we did last year and just be fine. So we, we actually do have playoff bullpen guys. They're just not in the bullpen yet. Yeah, I think the way that Cora managed the bullpen last year, you know, with that rover idea of not yep. just putting a starter in the bullpen, but rotating guys between the rotation and the bullpen on a day-to-day basis, yeah. so that really hadn't been done. And, and that was really effective for them. And I do think that changed some of the mindset. You know, when you come into them this winter after you've just done it that way, do you spend money on Kimbrough or do you spend money on Evaldi? And yeah. they went for Evaldi clearly thinking, come October, maybe Evaldi is both. You know, maybe he is both your game three starter and your game one and two closer. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's My, wild. I can't, believe, that, I can't believe we're having that conversation about Nathan yeah. Evaldi. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? I know. After and after a World Series title yeah. that he majorly contributed to, yeah, it's this oh, is a God, this is bizarro world. Incredible, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, you know, that, that stint with the Yankees where he's just, you know, you only see him throwing you know, throwing ninety nine hundred. Like, why isn't this guy striking out anyone? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, yeah, all of a sudden it starts to work for him, and here we are. All right, Chad. Well, hey, it's always fun talking with you. Uh, you know, appreciate all the insight on the Red Sox. And yeah, obviously, we're you know we're going to be uh, uh, talking with you again at some point during the season because this thing is going to be yeah. a uh, you know scratching and battling all throughout the year. I think it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Sure, that sounds great, man. And, and if the if, if midway through the season the Red Sox are running away with it, just delete that part where I picked the Yankees. Yeah, I will. Don't worry. No, I will, right. I, will, I will not send it to anybody or anything like that. Don't worry. About oh, that. Thank I will not do thank that. You. Thank <laughs> you. All right, Chad. Thanks very much. And guys, right, again, if you if you can follow, uh, if you want to follow Chad on Twitter, he's at Chad Jennings twenty two, um, and he is the beat writer for the Athletic Up in Boston. Thanks, Chad. You got it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.